0: Thank you for choosing to listen to the Mummy on a Break podcast. I am Maria Newman, otherwise known as Mummy on a Break. My journey to becoming Mummy on a Break started back in 2016. That's the year I took voluntary redundancy whilst on maternity leave with my second baby and without really having a plan. The only thing I knew at that moment was that I needed to change my job and if I didn't seize the day and take my chance, I'd be in the same job doing the same thing up until I retired. That thought really scared me so long story short I embarked on my journey of being mummy on a break which started with me actually deciding to start my own business and by following a very windy road led me to create the life I really wanted. I now help women who are like the old me. I help busy working mums who are fed up of the routine, the daily routine, and want to take back control and create the life they really want in their work, their relationships, their wellness, their money, and the fun stuff. If you want to find out more about how I can help you, then check out my website mummyonabreak.co.uk and click work with me. However, for now, sit back,
1: relax, and enjoy this podcast episode. Welcome to the Mummy on a Break podcast. My name is Maria Newman, and I am Mummy on a Break. You can find out more about me, what I do, and Mummy on a Break on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast series is all about managing our well-being in this modern life. Life today feels busier and more hectic than it did 20 years ago. And there is so much noise out there that we have to wade through. So I will be interviewing six amazing women who are experts in their field and who will be sharing with us how we can manage our well-being in this modern life. My guest today is Paula Power. Paula is passionate about breaking down barriers around mental health and mental ill health to create light bulb moments to encourage change and an open, connected and kinder culture. Paula is truly inspirational and has accomplished so much already. Motivated for change as a result of teenage trauma and inspired by the outdoors, Paula has led youth groups across the UK, Africa and Asia and became a Guinness World Record holder as part of the first all-female Polar expedition in 1997. So the subject of today's podcast episode is managing our health in this noisy world. Thanks, Paula, for joining me today. Hi, Maria. So, you. you're welcome. So before <laughs> jumping into it, because it's a big subject, Tell us all a bit about yourself, your story, and how you got to where you are today. Thank you. What an opportunity. Thank you so
2: much. So, I have, I suppose, if we go back to the beginning of um, sort of growing up, um, I grew up in, um, I spent a lot of time growing up in Ireland actually with my family. So, I had two sisters, and uh, that sense of freedom and adventure was always on my doorstep. So, uh, I think that is part of who I am and um, always had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, but certainly a sense of adventure. And so that pursued pursued my life really, I suppose. The reason I ended up doing mental health first aid training, it's quite a long story. Um, So you mentioned about the trauma, so I'm really happy to talk about that. So when we were, one of my sisters was killed in a car crash uh, by a drunk driver which is horrendous mm. and it had a massive impact on me and the rest of our family and of course what's really interesting is how we deal with grief and I think we all deal with it differently um, we certainly did we were very close family but actually dealt with it very independently um, yeah. and never really talked about it which is really interesting isn't it so, but my approach to that was just I was actually working in an insurance company, <laughs> so um, which is really bizarre. But actually, it sort of it didn't make any sense at all. Then after losing my sister, I was seventeen, so right you know right at the prime really of my life, and um, my family were so supportive. My parents, they said, I said to them, I, I want to go travel, and they said, right, just go, which I thought was a really brave thing to do because if it had been me now with my daughter, I'd be really struggling to sort of say, go, you know, in that situation, but I get it, you know, that opportunity, you only live once. Mm. So, um, and I think that was my approach to dealing with that situation is just to go Mm. and live and do the things that I really wanted to do. Um, And like I said, we all deal with things differently. And my other sister, sadly, she, um, her approach to it was very different to mine. Um, And the impact was uh, she experienced psychosis at quite a young age, sort of in her late 20s. And at that stage, which you're talking 25, 30 years ago, actually, not that I'm going to tell you my age, but uh, certainly was, um, we had a very different approach to um, mental illness in those days. Mm. Didn't know how to deal with it. It was quite um, a scary place to be. And it's certainly scary for her, which I recognise now. then I didn't anyway so um, long story short but um, the recognising that I didn't know how to help for years um, I've always been really interested in personal development so I've done NLP coaching and coaching and NLP practitioner um, and also went down the education route so teaching young people uh, in the outdoors you know using that vehicle for their learning experience Mm. even uh, young people that were Experience and challenging challenges themselves, so I think the outdoors is fantastic um, for our well-being. Uh, I've seen massive changes with people with their well-being. So, uh, so yeah, it's all about education. And when I was introduced to mental first aid, I thought, okay, this is really interesting. Maybe I could face some of these things that I, I really struggled with. You know, psychosis, for example, um, and be able to support her a bit better so I was quite scared about doing the course to be honest and I think a lot of people are because they go well I don't really want to talk about mental health which is you know still a big thing Mm. um but the impact oh my god it was amazing because I just went okay so (laughs) actually it does start with me so it starts with me just by being a bit more empathic and a little bit more of a less judgmental about how I um approach this and trying to look at it from her perspective or their perspective Um, so yeah massive change because I've been now training uh I've I've just decided to go and train and run these courses I've been doing this now for two years because of my experience Mm. and not only that her experience when she has psychosis is very different so she her recovery is it's easier, it's uh, calmer, I, I think anyway, this is my personal perspective, I don't want to talk too much about her, particularly, in mm. you know, in this instance, but um, the impact of doing that particular course is massive, because it's about looking after you, and mm. then you can look after somebody else, you know, but because it, it's not about me, <laughs> what's going on for her, so that's how, so it's a bit of a long story, but yeah, um, the impact,
1: of, of doing what I do and um, I love it I absolutely love it so you can, you can tell just by looking at your face how passionate and how much you do love it because you just you just light up thank you yeah. you're welcome yeah. <laughs> Um. so so we hear a lot about mental health and mental well-being and I think we think we know what it is but can you simply explain to us what it actually is so we know what we're talking about
2: yeah of course so when we talk about mental health a lot of people and this is where stigma and discrimination comes into play and it's still really prevalent mental health is part of our overall health it's part of our physical emotional spiritual health Um, and a lot of us assume that when we talk about mental health we talk about mental illness and again, that goes back to stigma. We talk about um, even when we think about psychosis, uh, uh, schizophrenia. That's a, that sort of language. People just assume it's really scary, unapproachable, mm-hmm. and um, you know, fearful. So, mental health is part of our overall health. And I've got a really good quote from the uh, World Health Organization. I'm just going to share it with you because I really like this. Um, so, mental health is the emotional and spiritual resilience which allows us to enjoy life and survive pain, disappointment, and sadness. It's a positive sense of well-being and an underlying belief in our own and others' dignity and worth. So it's um, it's part of who we are, and uh, we can fluctuate um, on a daily basis, can't mm. we? So sometimes we have a really good day, feel amazing, and then something triggers us something bad happens and you know how do we bounce back how do we recover so our mental health is it's a bit like the weather I like to associate a bit like the weather we seem to have blocked out oh we've gone we're back (laughs) um so yeah because we fluctuate and we're on a continuum um and I think what's really important is if we can recognize how we feel so our awareness about how we feel what other sort of triggers for not being well Mm. a physical thing is an emotional thing is it? what happens when we're not feeling great how do we respond in difficult situations um and I think and this is the power in the courses that I run because it's it raises the awareness it it helps us stop and go actually um how am I doing right now just checking in with yourself Mm. so um self-awareness self-regulation so if you know what's going on how do you manage that what are you mm. do to actually manage your mental health have you got strategies in place and then action what action are you going to take to support yourself going forward so
1: so what i love about what you said and and the quote and for me um if we've got a handle on our our well-being how we're managing it then in essence, we're more resilient to, um, to be able to face anything. I mean, it's still going to affect us, but yeah. we're in a much better place to yeah. be able to deal with, you know, loss or something bad happening um, to us physically or to a loved one. And I think that's um, that's the key to this because this world we're living in now is just so chaotic and so many things are going on and there's so much uncertainty um, with what's going on. If our mental wellbeing, if we've got a good handle on our mental wellbeing and how we're um, managing it through, like you said, self-awareness, and the good practices that we put in place, then we're, we're in a better place to be able to handle all that uncertainty that's going on out there. Yeah. So that sort of leads me on to a bit of a um, a, a, more a lead in question. It feels like more and more adults, teenagers, and children are suffering from mental health. And, and not just because of our current world um, situation, but just there seems to be this progression that has happened. What has contributed to this in your opinion? Yeah, it's really interesting. I, a lot of people say that to me and I think, okay, so what is that about?
2: How do, how do we know it's changed? How do we know it's different? Mm. Is it different to what it was like 20 years ago or is it just because information has changed or knowledge has changed or awareness has changed? I mean, if you think about technology, for example, the impact of the information overload that we have. We're in the information age, aren't we? we probably moving in towards AI a bit, but um, it is really significant, uh, globalization. Um, there's massive shifts. Um, so we're more aware because we've got a wider perspective, a wider view. So, um, but what is really important to recognize is yes, absolutely, that we may recognize that there's been a change and shift in our mental health, but I think it's more about awareness. But what we need to remember is our awareness in development and medicine and support practices is also um, developed. Mm. So I think we tend to sort of focus in on the bad stuff, don't we? The negative stuff. And I think actually uh, it's therapy, alternative therapies, medicine has evolved and developed. Um, significantly as well to support it so if you think about um for example bipolar disorder mm. is a relatively new term mm. for psychosis so it sits under the umbre- umbrella term of psychosis but it used to be called manic depressive and um, mm-hmm. so that's only evolved in the last sort of 12 years um but also the medicine to support it has as well so i think the point is yes it may appear that you know our we've evolved, you know, from our sort of awareness. Um, and it may seem that it's it's um, more significant, but I think it's it's about perspective. Okay. And I think it's, you know, like I said, that social media, for example, is a really good example of information overload. I mean, yeah. yes, it's TikTok. Um, oh my gosh, that's just global, isn't it? And just <laughs> and the things that I see that comes through my daughter's uh, TikTok, for example. I think wow that you know like in terms of their knowledge and um awareness is is massive so that would have a knock-on effect especially Mm -hmm. if they're you know (laughs) 24 7 using technology I mean again it's about having really good practice to um to have balance of you know nurturing well-being um so yeah I think I think it's everything you know we've evolved have not we you know I'd love to sort of bring up the fact that if we had, um, we, I mean, we still, in our education system, for example, we still mm. focus on uh, academic achievement. It's still really prevalent, you know, <laughs>
0: um,
2: but we, we don't, we still don't really, I don't think, talk about emotional intelligence in schools. And I think that is massive. That is where we can start to build our awareness of selves, you know, in terms of supporting ourselves. If we've got more understanding about how we feel, how we think, how we behave under pressure, and have the language to support it, then um, this is a fantastic starting stepping stone towards
1: better long-term health and well-being. I'm I'm so with you. I think, and and it's like with most things, isn't it? If we start early, so with yeah. children, not to overload them, because obviously we're already like forcing them to learn lots of new things but if they if we start young teaching them about um being self-aware knowing how they respond to certain situations how they can look after themselves and better understand themselves then already you know we've given our children that step up yeah so that they are more resilient naturally and we and we talk a lot about i think in the world you know people being resilient yeah but Getting an individual to that place of being resilient has to start somewhere. And, you know, children absorb information mm-hmm. and good practice like sponges. We know that. And, and although they question why, at the same time, they will accept things more readily because, you know, yes. an adult's told them. So it's like a perfect opportunity as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And, because we hear so much in the media about um, how more stressed our children are nowadays, because of all this noise out there and, you know, like the social media, the pressures that the education system could put on them and so on. It's like, well, come on, let's give them this toolkit. Let's, you know, open their eyes up. So actually the world seems less frightening because they feel more prepared to take things on yeah absolutely yeah
2: and actually do you know it's about it's made me think actually about how we can teach them to be more intuitive about um the way they are and where they feel and think and behave rather than giving them more information it's mm. about learning you know even through mindfulness or meditation for example it's really powerful
0: mm.
2: being intuitive and then being more accountable um, that's massive isn't it mm.
1: Yeah, because I know, you know, having, having seen the way that my children are growing up, and all right, they're only, they're only young, they're seven and five, but I can see how they respond to certain situations. You know, when they get frustrated, on one hand, it, they might get angry. On the other hand, they might give up. So it's like seeing how they respond to certain things without me sort of, you know, trying to coach them or, you know, I'm in I'm, I'm their mum, not... Um, and, and I think together both the education system and us as parents, because obviously there are children and we should be able to feel comfortable enough mm. to give them those skills. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a massive subject when it comes to parents and children. And we should, the first step, if, if we're being completely honest, for me, the first step is just talking because everybody can talk. You don't have to be um, like yourself, an expert. It's just having those honest conversations and not being frightened of either what our children are gonna to say to us, or the thing that I think frightens us even more, not having the answer when our child asks us a question mm. about something. Mm. And I think if we if we're if we can have that courage to have those conversations, and dare I say it, for us as parents to be a bit more vulnerable with our children, then I think that can only go towards strengthening the relationships that we have with our kids yeah definitely absolutely and it, you're absolutely right and I
2: think um we feel that we have we feel that we've got to be an expert We have to know the answers to everything um but we don't because we don't know what's right necessarily for our kids not always I mean don't get me wrong <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know we are the that we're the guide aren't we the guidance mm-hmm. uh, for our kids well-being but um you're right we don't always have to know the answer. Sometimes it's like, I don't know, it's okay. Mm. So it's, it's fine. And like you said, being vulnerable. Um, and, you know, and it, it can make them feel more empowered actually just by having that sort of conversation. Mm. Just listening as well. Mm. Uh, you mentioned talking, which is absolutely right. If we can get our kids to talk um, and it, we can learn to listen. Um, sometimes silence, for example, is really powerful you know we feel like we've got to fix things yeah we just listen and just acknowledge the fact and be empathic and you know um support them that way without even having to say anything it's really powerful Mm. because it actually gives them the confidence to feel okay they didn't judge me then they didn't that was really cool and actually it will give them confidence to come back and,
1: and have another conversation with you that's really powerful yeah and I think going back to like picking up on the being able to be silent,
2: mm.
1: obviously the way that their brain works is it's they're, they're putting together these jigsaw puzzles a lot more slowly, slowly than we might be able to. So just giving them the space when you're having a conversation for them to put together what their thoughts are rather than thinking, Oh my goodness, there's silence. Somebody's got to fill it. Um, yeah. I'll just say something. We'll just, just, just wait because they're probably trying to get it straight in their head Mm. and then let them come to the conversation with their idea and again they're probably going to respect you more because rather than us going no you must do this this and this and this is the right thing by them going well mummy or daddy what about what about this this is what I think and it being a proper like conversation rather than like the parent child, we know best, will tell you. And then they're more likely to accept what's going on. And like you've said, feel more empowered because yeah. they've contributed, mm. which is amazing. Absolutely. And actually, do you know, they're really smart, aren't they? You know, they know, probably know more than we
2: do, actually. And some, I've taken some stuff from my daughter and actually gone, you yeah, know, that's really insightful. <laughs> because they haven't they haven't got any baggage either have Hmm. they so um and actually some of the stuff that that she talks about is amazing and I think I've learned something from her that's okay we do not have to be the expert you know yeah yeah. um and actually you know when we do talk about stuff if if you you know remember those moments when somebody does listen to you it's really powerful Mm -hmm. because you end up sometimes sorting stuff out that you thought was an issue yourself because you're talking through it and you know you're just being validated by somebody else um you can sometimes sort your own stuff out can't you so it's really powerful
1: so I think what I'd like to do now is because I think our listeners are probably be, um thinking the same thing looking at it from two perspectives first of all how can we help ourselves you know what naturally can we put into place that will feel natural because you know we don't want to put in an extra thing as part of our to-do list yeah and just as importantly and you sort of mentioned it at the beginning you know how can we help others
2: yeah so if you so for example i talked about that toolkit recognizing some of the things that really help us so what makes you feel really good about yourself especially at the moment and we're so limited because connection is one of the most powerful things mm. for well-being feeling connected and not having that opportunity it's probably more important to increase um, our connection through phone calls and through messaging or just by going outside and just being in a community mm. and feeling part of um, feeling connected in some way that's really really strong um, and but I think recognizing what works for you. So reflecting back sometimes and thinking, what did I enjoy doing? What do I love to do? What did I used to do when I was a kid? What really um, inspired me? Mm. For example, this week, this weekend, a couple of my friends have got their art books out and they've just done painting and they haven't done that for 20 years. Being creative um, is also really good for our mental health, you know, and if it doesn't feel natural, then mm. it's um, it's okay, it's just have a go. Uh, Again, take out that perfectionism. Just try something. Um, And music, dance. Oh, my goodness me. I have done so much dancing in the kitchen and um, I don't care if anybody sees me. So that whole thing about dance, as if nobody's watching, I don't care if anyone's watching because I feel like I can get away with it because we're in a very unusual situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So music, the creative is huge so um and actually doing things that you wouldn't necessarily do like playing cards or um writing mm, another yeah. one writing, really good so i think it's the things that we haven't we've almost missed you know as adults um we don't do because we thought we shouldn't be doing it because that's the sort of thing you did when you were a kid and yeah you bring them back in you know and um so things that make you feel good go for it i mean even things like uh there's this um I'm going to, I'm going to push Pete Can because Pete Can, who does laughter a
1: little bit, is yes. amazing.
2: So, <laughs> It may seem really uncomfortable initially because it's like, we don't actually want to just sit there and laugh. But It's really good for you. <laughs> really good for your wellbeing. Bringing up all that um, stale oxygen all that stale yeah. air out um, is really good. So yeah, so laughter um, and talking is really good. There's, those are just a few things, but yeah, um, I've got a plethora of resources um, to support you
1: and your listeners out there if they want to know more about how to do that. You know, really simple steps. Mm. So I think for me, picking up at like big headings of what you've said, um, there's something about sort of being present in the moment to block out all the noise that... um, makes us feel sad or just frightened whether that is mindfulness or meditation i think there's something about being outwardly expressive so you know the art the music the dancing the the writing because again we're expressing ourselves in in some form i think there's there's the the fun trying to make sure that you know life is meant for living and for having fun so Go and do something that, that you enjoy. And the fourth thing I, think I picked up on is the outdoors. I yeah. mean, I know we're restricted, but just get outdoors wherever outdoors is. Yeah. And actually somebody, I can't remember who you mentioned it. It
2: was a quote from somebody. They said, you know, you go outside, you get some fresh air. Just if, if you don't feel great right now, go outside, go and take 20 minutes outside, especially amongst the trees. It's supposed to be really good. Yeah and you come back in and you still don't feel great do you know what go outside again do it again because honestly it's in small steps and mm. we're not going to be fixing things just I've, I've given some ideas here but mm. and they may not suit you but I think it's about recognizing that it takes small steps you know yeah. and it's only through routine and where it becomes normalized uh, that it can be really helpful so um yeah you
1: know it's not going to fix everything but it's a really good start so well it's been lovely talking to you before we wrap up there are a couple of things that um, I'd like to ask you so first of all what advice would you give our listeners on looking after their mental health what's like the main thing and like you said it's only tiny steps so if they were to take that first step where should they start or where could they start
2: And Well, actually, um, they can start with by contacting me, of course. (laughs) I'm going to say that, aren't I? Certainly in terms of resources. I mean, I'm connected, quite really well connected to a lot of really good therapists um, and support workers. And and I work with Wiltshire Mind, for example. So, I mean, I'm not going to be the expert for you, Okay, Mm -hmm. You are your own expert. But what I can do is help to facilitate what's next for you. And I do that in a really kind, empathic way. That's my approach. Mm-hmm. So what I say to you right now, it might not work for everybody. So it's, it's about recognising these small steps, But and it could be just writing things down. But there's a really good website as well, apart from going to my website, which is mywhitedog.com, of course. <laughs> um, I also do some voluntary work with Action for Happiness. Now, this is a global organisation, charity, and they are brilliant in terms of you know looking at those small steps so they talk about the five ways to well-being for example mm-hmm. the 10 keys to happy living and it's really lovely because it's a platform foundation where you can go okay so connection how can I connect with somebody today uh, giving something back Have I done something for somebody else because that's really good for well-being um, and um, yes yeah, so loads of different tools and techniques are available um, but sometimes it it needs help from another human being. Mm. Yeah, just yeah, that yeah. conversation.
0: Yeah,
2: it's great having some of the, all these great ideas, but sometimes you just need somebody to go. Can I help you right now? Do you want yeah. some support? I'm, I'm really here to listen to you. I can,
1: you know. So that's really, really key as well. Um, and then the final thing: what three things would you like our listeners to take away from our conversation today?
2: Okay, so um, the things that stuck with me when some of the sort of training is um, being mindful of our, our language, for example, how we communicate with people, um, just being mindful of, you know, how how would it make you feel if you're in that situation? Um, so what would you like to hear mm. from somebody to feel supported? Um, and... If you experience somebody that is having uh, struggling at the moment, um, one thing to bear in mind is they are probably doing the best they can right now. Mm. So it's trying not to take it personally, um, and also listening and just silence sometimes if somebody needs to be heard. Mm. Um, Oh God, I've got so many. I I could (laughs) pick three (laughs) random things there, but. (laughs) but um yeah i think listening reducing stigma um and
1: yeah it's not about you so um
2: but you can make a difference to supporting somebody else
1: ah thank you paula so the final big question is how can people find out more about you and the work you do what are your links <laughs> thank you maria so um, my
2: website is mywhitedog.com um and i don't have a white dog um, but it's uh, it's all about preventative mental illness that's where the focus is um, i'm also on linkedin but um, feel free to have a look at my website and um, you can get in touch with me that way or my email which is paula at mywhitedog.com so thank you maria
1: Oh, no. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, Paula. And thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you
0: enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. If you're interested in finding out how you can work with me and how I can help you, then head over to my website www.mummyonabreak.co.uk and click on Work With Me. Take care.